0: Hi, all. It's Chris Phillips, Head of Corporate Communications and PR at Viasat here. I'm sitting again with Don Butchman, Vice President and General Manager of Viasat's commercial aviation business. Oh,
1: it's great to see you, Chris. Great to do this again. I this is exciting. That's this is so our cool. second time, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: We're getting the hang of it. Yeah, us. I think I got
1: pretty good feedback on the first one.
0: Uh, last time, you know, we talked about digital transformation and in the in-flight connectivity market and Wi-Fi in the sky becoming the norm. Definitely, you know, I'm glad that you heard some great feedback. So did I. A lot of people were interested in how connectivity can benefit the airlines and their passengers. And then... Really that idea of like what's needed to choose the right partner, because as we know, it's all too easy for some to choose the wrong one. So today, we're going to take a different approach. We're going to look at MythBusters, a favorite topic I think of most people. And, you know, really break down some of these myths like Wi-Fi on planes doesn't work. Well, in fact, we know it does work at 30,000 feet and it works extremely well. So um, let's cover off these topics today. Connectivity on planes, does it really work or are we still years out? You know, on the last podcast, we had mentioned 82 airlines have some form of connectivity, so something must be working. Um, Let's look at misconceptions in the marketplace. Is this based on customer experience or is this competitor driven? And let's close it out on why and how Viasat is changing the landscape for in-flight connectivity. Okay, should be fun. Yeah, lots to cover. Um, but let's start with a big question. Where's the evidence that Wi-Fi at any altitude works?
1: Well, by hopefully we've been proving it. You uh-huh. know, we've been flying from JetBlue, our launch customer, since uh, December 13. We did our big media flight, and ever since, nothing's changed, right? It's been, you know, right. whatever people want to do, they do. Uh, all the way up to last week, we did a media flight uh, with NLL, And it was, you know, having been on both flights almost five years apart, it was pretty exciting watching somebody Facebook Live, the live match of the game that's being broadcast to the internet as other device, of the Belgium-France in the World Cup semi.
0: Yeah, that was definitely an intense game. I don't know if it was more intense on the flight or more intense in the game. It was pretty
1: intense on the flight. It was pretty awesome watching that. Seeing everyone's joy, you know, basically here's something you wouldn't expect, right? You know, basically pull my device out and watch the game, you know, plug into my subscription. And watch my game on my flight right it wasn't like the airline had to go think about it the airline didn't have to worry about the fifa world cup basically everyone brought the game with them and that's sort of the those those are just artifacts of that's what i would have done at a coffee shop right going back to our last podcast we use that example a lot yep. but that's what i would have done on the ground so why can't i do that in the air and we're basically doing it in the air we've been doing it and it's just fantastic and passengers that know it love it
0: here's a question that i know that during media interviews we always get which is does weather affect the Viasat system?
1: Oh the old rain phase. Yes. Yeah, so you know, rain's okay, man. You know, obviously again the really the techno geek speak of satellite technology, it's a higher frequency, it's more susceptible to rain. That's the textbook theory. So KU, therefore it's better, you know, kind of dot dot dot, that's it. So buy KU. Buy that. you'll buy a low frequency band. So one of the things one of the things I always point to in a marketplace is here in the United States, we've got a residential business that's uh between us and our for, and our main competitor, we've probably got, what, one and a half million subscribers that are on a home residential? Yep. And of all the entire markets, about one and a half million. All of those are on KA-band satellites. There's KU over the U.S., but they're not using them. They're all on KA-band satellites. And last I looked, all those homes are below the clouds and within the weather. And so you would think that if KU is better above the clouds... Why would it be better? Why would an airplane be better to use Ku versus Ka if the home, and when the in the home driven by economics, right? They're competing with terrestrial solutions, so you want to have the best capacity at the lowest price. Ka is winning, so that same technology is going to win in all markets.
0: Yeah, here's another thing that we always hear from competitors. We obviously have a very unique business model. We're very diverse in our businesses, right? You know, going after residential, government, commercial aviation, business aviation, you know, business internet, and uh, some other markets as well. Competitors always say that we're a residential company and they treat it as a negative Right. Which I always find really surprising.
1: Yeah, it's always an interesting one because you start to think about we're a residential company. What are we doing? We're bringing the Internet to the consumer. And what is a plane is the people sitting in the plane, not a consumer as well. So why wouldn't you have that same mentality to bring it to a consumer? So what we're doing with you, we have a, you had a reason to build satellites. So we have in fact, when we brought out Vice at one. We think like the industry thought we were crazy. Right. For a, who needs 100 gigabit per second satellite? You know, no one's ever done that before. There's not enough demand for 100 gigabits per second. That was—it's hard to believe in today's day and age that someone would think that they would actually take the under on is usage going to be there, right? Is there—is there enough demand for capacity? Mm-hmm. So with Viasat one, you know, we came out and proved that You have to have a large market to sell that to, and that's residential is a large market, aviation is a large market. So when you combine those together, you get the best economic benefits to the broadest sense. And so why wouldn't you be you know, putting the most capacity at the densest population and blending residential businesses with something like aviation? It just makes sense. It's the most economical way of delivering the Internet.
0: Yeah. I mean, doesn't it doesn't having these diverse businesses really offset some of the costs as well?
1: It does. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So you wouldn't you know, we would have had to feel for an aviation business. What are we we've said that like, what, 10 percent maybe we use our capacity right. to serve our airplanes here in the U.S.? But we'd have to build 100% of the satellite to do that, but we didn't have to because we sold the other 90% to another market. So each market is sharing their cost.
0: There's a lot of misperceptions that are stemming from just the marketplace, from from competitors. And I think this is a good opportunity for us to maybe clear up some of that, right? Yeah. But let's just talk about misperception in general. So is it competitor-driven predominantly, do you think, um, with them adding you know, fide to confuse airlines, passengers, partners? Or have just not enough passengers really experienced good Wi-Fi in the air? I think
1: it's a little bit of both, right? Okay. So if you've you've invested in technology that just can't grow, but you're invested in that and you have to sort of stick with it, you're going to try to do everything you can to preserve the status quo. So the status quo is, oh, no one wants to stream video on an airplane. Remember that one we had that one? (laughs) We sat there on a panel and basically one of our competitors said, no one wants to stream video on a plane. It's, you know, why would you do that? Yeah, and so it just seemed it. kind of odd, but it was basically protecting the status quo, right? So you have that, right? So you have investments, and you want to protect your investment. It's 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 rational, but it's you know not smarter. And then you have you know then the passengers, right? They basically got excited when it first came out. You know, Wi-Fi has been on planes since what? connection by Boeing in the early two thousands. Um, then you know then it kind of relaunched again towards the end of the decade, and now it's you know pretty predominant, like you said, eighty two airlines. But they've been exposed to pretty poor quality, mm-hmm. and so they sort of remember that, right? And they're gonna go back and say, "Oh yeah, Wi-Fi in planes is not good," because they think Wi-Fi in planes is a commodity. It's what it, one one planes the rest, is the same as the rest of them. So one of our missions has been to try to prove that it's not true, right? So a myth: Wi-Fi in planes isn't good. So busted.
0: What are the typical adoption rates for for in flight
1: Yeah, so when you so you definitely when it's free to the passenger, uh, it's definitely a higher, right? So you're seeing you know anywhere from you know five to ten to twenty times higher. Those, especially if you have long haul flights, like here in the U.S., we do a lot of coast to coast. We often see, especially in our airlines that are offered for free, we see more devices on than people. So you, know, you have you know seat, you have aircraft with you know 172 seats plus you know crew, and we'll see upwards of 220, 230 devices on, and it's just very typical across a five hour flight. Even a lot of our short haul flights, when it's free, you know, basically some business routes like LaGuardia to Boston to Logan. That's you're basically you're barely above 10,000 feet from one than 10 to 15 minutes. And we see very high penetration given free. It's business travelers. They want to be connected. They want to get the email out. They want to see what's happening, even in those 10 to 15 minutes, like they do in a train commute. Why is, you know, if you have a 15 minute train commute, why wouldn't a 15 minute airplane commute? Why wouldn't you interact with your device differently? You'd be the same. So you just see really high adoptions when it's free.
0: Which totally makes sense. I know um, a lot of our competitors talk about that, you know, five to seven percent take rate, but really there is an opportunity for increasing that. We've seen yeah. that on. on and software. that was one
1: of the biggest myths when we entered this market. We had a lot of uh, people ask us, "Why are you entering the in-flight connectivity business? That's terrible. You know, I mean, it's already proven that only five to seven percent of the people want to use it. And you're not going to make any money." It's like, well, you know, this goes back a, lot, a while back, but it was, you know, we thought there was much higher demand, right? What as soon as the plane landed. What everyone does, and so they started interacting with it, and it wasn't because they had the comfort of the ground. It was because they FOMO.
0: <laughs> it all comes back to the FOMO. FOMO.
1: <laughs> they basically want to be connected, right? They just couldn't. There was friction, cost, and quality. Remove yeah. those two barriers, and now what we're seeing is people are very comfortable in using connectivity in flight.
0: So let's let's switch gears for a quick sure. minute, right? What is Viaset doing to change this perception?
1: You know, really it's, it's, awareness, right? It's, you know, it's a lot of it's sort of removing that friction, moving that. I, I get a device. Sometimes your phone is in your backpack and it's up in the overhead bin or it's in your, it's in your purse below the seat and you just forget it's there. And so a lot of it is just sort of interacting with it. So some of it's awareness, just phone all of a sudden beeps, you're in flight, you get an update, you get something happens. And then it's just like, again, at the coffee shop, mm-hmm. if you got a text message come in, you start interacting with it. You wouldn't expect that on a flight. All of a sudden it's there. So one of the, you know, one of the ways is to get awareness. Just turn that, get that device alive. Get it online and make, make people aware that it's actually there is connectivity. Then they can start interacting with the device and then they don't even realize that they're sitting on an airplane in a seat. It's like, oh, holy cow. I just had a whole conversation. I didn't realize I was on a flight.
0: So a key difference to our system versus other systems is just the spacecraft itself, yes. right? And yeah. and we hear a lot that it's not about the spacecraft, it's about the antenna. Oh. And And so I, I would love for you just to take a few minutes just to talk about, you know, the, the difference between systems and why we focus on the spacecraft and, and why satellites are just so important.
1: Yeah, well, you know, we always – you've heard me – talked the whole time. This magic word capacity, right? I mean, that's really what it is, right? We're trying to de- develop the most capacity. And the last I looked, antennas don't have capacity. Antennas receive signals and transmit signals. And so an antenna plays a, a role in the loop, right? But it's not the loop, right? So the dominant factor in a system is the satellite itself. How much capacity, how much is available to how many devices or people, like airplanes or homes or boats or grocery mm-hmm. stores, whatever it may be wants we'll to interact with the communication channel the antenna is just a man, as a means of transmitting and receiving it so if you have a satellite that's a hundred times better than another one an antenna that would say given marketing out there twice as good as another one would you rather have 100 times better or twice better i think <laughs> i would go
0: it's not a trick question i think
1: <laughs> i'll go with 100 times better and what that is i mean how that you know so that's how that gets back to the passenger is how you see the service being offered, right? Mm-hmm. Someone can offer a streaming service for free because of that capacity and how much it costs to use those bits. And that's how it's manifested. You know, we like we like to talk about our antenna by not talking about it because ours ours is just, it just works, right? So the system is, someone to get off a, a plane and go, wow, what a great antenna. <laughs> they basically got off and said, wow, can, can you believe it? I just watched the World Cup semifinal on a flight and they didn't have TV on that plane. Yeah. I just had internet. I mean, that's what people talk about. They don't talk about, that was a great antenna.
0: I've never heard that myself. So, um, hey, I have two questions left. Okay, the first question is, how important is a vertical integration strategy? We talk about that a lot as being critical to our business and to how we enable and flex um, pieces of our business. And we definitely hear from competitors that aren't vertically integrated. It's just not a big deal. So, can you add some color there?
1: Yeah, yeah there's, you know, there's multiple. There's multiple dimensions to that question. You know, One of them is just one-stop shop, mm-hmm. right? So if something goes wrong, you don't want to have a consortium of people pointing fingers at each other, right? It was the antenna. It was the modem. It was a satellite. It was the ground. It was him. Something. <laughs> Right. So that's a little bit of what you kind of get a federated solution, right? So that's a little bit of, you just don't get the most reactionary, the best service quality, right? It's just, you know, something when you own it all, you fix it all. You understand every bit. So that just kind of goes without saying. The other piece of it is that every element, if you get these general purpose satellites, general purpose equipment, they're designed for the general purpose, right? They weren't designed to be deliver the internet. What we've done is we've actually thought about the problem as holistically as a whole system, right? So we've got this big massive satellite up there with massive capacity. But then there's also like, okay, where are the bottlenecks? Is it the, in the modem? Is it in the antenna? Is it in the Wi-Fi access points? So we know exactly what we're delivering. So we develop the entire thing as a system, but we also collapse all the elements, right? I don't need to go buy an antenna from vendor A and a high-powered amplifier from vendor B. And hopefully I can, someone else has a power supply that powers the whole thing up. And then hopefully I can get WAP from somebody. Basically, when you design it as a system, you know exactly what elements in there. You minimize how much is there. Minimization is very good, right? So weight and cost and all that kind of go down, but also reliability, right? You be able, you, you design it with a purpose to stay online. You don't design it to break, and you want to do that. So being vertically integrated allows us to basically design a whole system, minimo, you know, miniaturize where we can, combine systems together, just like our cell phones have gotten more powerful and smaller over time because they've all been sort of combined, all these functions getting combined together. We're doing that. it's also we're delivering the internet, right? I mean, all the innovations we're making because Biasat as a company survives as we keep up and exceed our customers' demands. And that's what we continue to do. And all those get brought right down to every element of our system.
0: Okay. So I told you I had one last question, one last question, question, because we've covered a lot of ground here today. Um, But before we jump off, let's let's just end on an action-based question. So, how do airlines that want to embark on a true digital transformation strategy? How do they get at the truth? Right? They're busy running airlines and keeping the air spaces safe. Um, they just don't have time to be experts in the internet, too. So, what can they do to educate themselves and look past the myths?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a hard question, right? I don't envy I don't envy the position of someone who had to go off and buy with a lot of competitors in there, basically sending their marketing out and basically, I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm the mm-hmm. best. It, it's difficult, right? I mean, you know, we're consumers ourselves and so we get people hitting us, that we're the best, we're the best. But what you have to look for as an airline, as a buyer, what am I buying, right? And is that thing going to have an enduring value? Because it is, it's a big investment. You know, these systems stay on aircraft, you know, ours on, you know, for, you know, seven, 10 years often. And you want to basically make sure that, you know, I didn't buy a 2G cell phone and all of a sudden, you know, LTE yeah. came out on 5G and that's effectively what's happened today. So you want to make sure that you can basically get up to the, you know, continue to move. And so you got to look at what am I buying? It's capacity, right? So digital transformation is all about the connected, mm-hmm. whether it's the engine being connected, the cockpit being connected, the crew, the passengers, the whole entity being connected. So what's the source of connectivity or what is the value of connectivity is a lot, right? You know, I want, to, I want to not think about connectivity. I want to just basically make use of these devices and not have connectivity be the thing that changes my decision. Oh, we can't do that because it costs too much. We can't do that because there's not enough bandwidth. We would have to take something away from, you know, the guy sitting in seat 18A. But you basically thought, oh, I can get value out of that. I want to connect up that device on aircraft and I get value. Do it, right? And then you don't even think about capacity. And that's, so when you kind of boil that back down in a digital transformation, you want to be with a company and a system that you don't have to make that choice. You don't have to make that choice between send this bit or that bit. And you send both bits
0: yeah and as you've said before it should just work
1: it should just work yeah that's what i like
0: that's what we all like so john as always totally enjoyed our chat thanks so much for stopping pretty by. exciting yeah number two. yeah so now yep. we can just stay connected anywhere yeah um thanks for your time and we will be back in a few i guess in, in a few weeks yep. in a month with that. our and next one yeah.
1: and send send your uh, <laughs> podcast responses back to us if you're listening in air that'd yeah. be fantastic
0: that'd be super cool yeah All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank Thank you.